1: how she landed a job as a vintage aircraft mechanic. Before we begin, just a few announcements. First of all, if you have any questions, comments, inspirational stories, or announcements, please write us at feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. If you want to share a special story about your career, we'd love to hear about it, have you on as a guest. If you can't come on as a guest, Write into me, and I'll read it right here online. Also, don't forget, if you want to get that scholarships guide that we talk about quite often online, it's only $10 for one-year access. We update it every month. You can get it for free, possibly, if there's some coupons left, a pay it forward coupon. That's all one word, pay it forward. And also, uh, we go to all these different organizations and ask them to put money into this and help us out, and also people that are Patreons help out with that. So every $10 we raise, we give one scholarships guide away. By the way, the latest one has 36 new scholarships and four updates. You can find more at aerospacescholarships.com. Well, like I said, we have a really special guest today. I'm I'm so excited to have her on. And what's really interesting, I've been following her on uh, Instagram, and also I've been following the Facebook page and Instagram account of the place where she works. Uh, We have Cassidy Moore, who's a vintage aircraft mechanic for the Heritage Flight Museum in Burlington, Washington, AMPIA, and has a really exciting journey uh, and talks a lot about uh, safety and also the wonderful career as being an aircraft mechanic. Well, Cassidy, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: <laughs> well, it's been uh, you know, a long time coming. I've been, like I said, been watching you online. Love the photographs. And uh, one of the things that I think to me when I'm looking at you and all the pictures, I say to myself, wow, you truly are blessed and are fortunate to be in the position you're in right now. Uh, so tell us a little bit about what you do right now before we get into uh, some of your background.
2: Well, I am the Chief Mechanic, which is a super fancy title for only mechanic currently at the <laughs> Heritage Flight Museum. I uh, I maintain uh, 18 flying warbirds, uh, ranging from uh, a Cessna 01, or also known as a bird dog, all the way up to a uh, McDonnell Douglas or a Douglas Skyraider. Raider. Um, and it is scheduled, unscheduled maintenance. I travel to and from the air shows, and the Heritage Flight Museum actually covers um, a fly day every third Saturday of the month so that we can get these aircraft out and get them flying. And we do, um, the themed versions. So we talk about, uh, training days and we talk about, um, different aspects of aviation, military, and, um, you know, mostly the vintage side of things or the warbird side of things. And so I get to do, A little bit of everything, maintenance and post-maintenance runs and painting and whatever really comes to for the day. So it's pretty exciting.
1: Yeah, sounds pretty varied too. A lot of really interesting stuff, that's for sure. But to get to where you are right now, it doesn't happen overnight. And uh, you obviously are passionate about being a mechanic. So walk us back through the history. How did you get involved in becoming a mechanic and also, uh, you know, why Warbirds?
2: Well, I had no plans for the future to be completely honest. Um, I come from the Southeast Alabama area. So everybody's going to Auburn or Alabama. (laughs) And, uh, I did not want to go to school anymore. I ended up Meeting a family that had a Piper Clipper, and they gave me a flight down to Bonifay, Florida, for a fly-in, a like a pancake breakfast. And I ended up, I was just getting ready to finish high school, and I met the instructors for Alabama Aviation Community College, and it was um, the sheet metal instructor and one of the systems instructors, and they kind of started talking to me about the mechanic side of aviation. And I was working with cars a little bit. My grandfather and my uncle were huge into that, and so. I had kind of dabbled with it, but really, again, didn't have plans. And so I eventually, um, the Thursday I graduated high school, the very next Tuesday, I decided, you know what, we're going to do this. So I applied to the school, got in at the last minute, and was the only woman at the beginning of this craziness. Um, And so I finished out the school and moved into my first job in Pennsylvania. Um, I had put in some free labor. As a shop hand for um, a shop in Alabama called Double Bridges Aviation. And I worked with him for a while while I was going to school, which helped me get experience. And then I moved from Pennsylvania, um, did a little bit of help with some friends in New York, which kind of got me interested in a little more of the GA side of things. Um, you know, and I was working for a small, uh, flight school maintenance shop type thing in Pennsylvania. And I went from Pennsylvania to Texas, um, and from Texas to Washington where I have been working all general aviation, uh, some turbines. So the, uh, like PT sixes, uh, Pilatus, those sorts of items, King airs. Uh, but I found my love in piston engines and that has just been game changer. And I, uh, managed to, End up up here in Washington with Command Aviation, and those guys really kind of helped spark me into more of the radial side of things. I had been dabbling a little bit here and there with um, a DC three that had broke down in Enterprise Alabama, um, and then uh, got to work around a DC four up in Pennsylvania. It was a traveling museum from out of Teterboro, and so I had kind of touched radials here and there. Um, but when I started working for Command, Command had a few Beaver customers, couple of T sixes. And then I found a helicopter operation that was running Sikorsky 58s, all radials. It's the largest fleet operating in the US. Um, They're were 11 um, Sikorsky 58s, and they're all pretty much, like I said, pretty much original. They've been picked out of wherever they ended up in the industry, and now they fly a cherry ag operation. So they just Below the water off the tops of cherry trees. And so I got into that really heavy, finished up a season with them and ended up back in the Skagit Valley area and ended up meeting Hal Beatty, who was the current mechanic for the Heritage Flight Museum. And he took me under his wing and started kind of teaching me. He was teaching me about the Mustang and the inner workings of how to deal with that. And I had fallen in love with the Corsair many, many years ago and just knew that Warbirds would be so cool, but just could not find a way into it. And Hal saw a lot of potential in me. And he took the took a big chance in taking someone who had the AMP and the IA, but very little, like I didn't have Mustang experience and I had never worked on a 3350. And so he took me in essentially as a, a misfit child there. And uh, he introduced me to the world of Warbirds and it has just been a huge game changer. So, worked with him for a while and uh he eventually retired and uh now I am I am here with 18 children essentially. <laughs> so, yeah.
1: What a what a serendipitous journey! Wow, I mean, you've been you've literally have touched an airplane in every time zone it seems. Yeah. <laughs> and what the other thing too is that you've you've got such an incredible background and experience, all these different places you've been, um, and you talked about becoming a mechanic. Part of that was going to school and something that we've done on the show you may not know this but I think some people lately have been under the impression that the way to become a mechanic is primarily through the military and that, that really, that's not true and I'm, I'm i hope I didn't color it that way in past episodes but in your experience you did all yours through the civilian route and also I'd like you to comment on that on many of the mechanics that you are with um, do you notice if they have a background in civilian primarily or in the military?
2: I think it, it, well, it greatly depends. So I did the civilian side and I did the two-year um, technical school, which by the way, not to not to come off as, as um, uh, rude towards four-year colleges, but I don't see the point in them. Um, if you're looking to get into a maintenance background, the technical schools are the way to go. And I think people are losing interest in them. But as far as doing, uh, working alongside a lot of these guys uh, at the museum, I work mostly, I've worked mostly alongside um, the volunteers or the gentleman that helps me with avionics here, they were military. They went through the military and they got their training through the military. And it was mostly like Vietnam era, a uh, couple of guys, World War II. Um But I have noticed um, going general aviation, and this is strictly general aviation, not even really getting into corporate aviation. A lot of the people I've worked with have either been on the job training or they've gone to a a two-year school like the Spartan schools or like in my case, it was a local community college.
1: So you can actually become like an apprentice and and move forward that way in your career, like you said, uh, and that's uh, and a lot of people do go to those those schools. But interesting, backing up what you said, you don't need the four year degree; you can do it in two years. Um, if you and obviously getting a four year degree, that's up to you if you want to do that. It's like anybody else getting a degree. But for the the career, and I think I, I like how you touched on that point. Uh, it's really important to know that you know why postpone your career another two years when you can actually get out there and start working.
2: You know, and I, I ran into that actually. And then I, again, you know, I, whenever somebody comes to talk to me about, Hey, you got into aviation, how did you do it? Why did you go to the school? You know, and I, I always express to people, um, you know, I worked alongside a gentleman in Texas and he went to, um, a four year school. Now he came out of it with a bachelor's degree and A&P license and he came out with a pilot's degree, but he spent, you know, in the $200,000 range. Now I went to school I got my AMP license. I came out $25,000, paid it all in cash with the help of my fa- with the help of my mother. Um, you know, and then I worked three jobs at the time to try and help get myself through it. But I came out of it with an AMP license and I had a job, um, you know, a month before I even got my license. Like I had already gotten accepted into this job up in Pennsylvania before I had even finished my license. And that was in part of actually going and working at a small GA shop as well. And I did it for free. Um, I did not get paid in my apprenticeship and I tell people, you know, I tell people who are asking about, you know, getting an aviation, do it, go do a two year school. And while you're in that school, reach out to a local airport and say, Hey, is there a maintenance shop on the field? I'm willing to do free labor because, you know, and a lot of people are not behind the free labor thing, but if you're going to school and you have a part-time job, it helps. And it really shows the industry that you're interested in being there and people are more likely to pass on the knowledge and hand down the information that they've been holding on to 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 get more people involved because the younger generation really hasn't um so i do i do very much stand behind the fact of of find a local airport and and offer to help i mean sweet floors but in my case i got really lucky with quentin jerkins at, at uh double bridges aviation that he gave me the chance to come in with him having a flight school and he monitored and he watched what i did but he gave me jobs so that i could put what I was learning in the books into the physical, because I'm not a book learner. I have to do it hands-on. So it it really does make a huge difference if you're, if you're serious about getting into especially GA, which we really need mechanics, um, but to go about it that route.
1: I love the way that you did that, getting into it, uh, you know, helping out basically an internship. Uh, a lot of internships aren't paid. Some are, but uh, you went in there as basically an intern, someone that's actually now looking into the career and getting training, too. So you may not have gotten paid directly, but you got a lot of experience at work towards getting a job and actually landed, you know, a dream job in my mind for a mechanic working. I mean, I look at the airplanes that you're on. It's just like wow. Uh, did you know when you look back? Did you ever imagine working on some of these warbirds when you were doing that that you know work as a first intern, shall we say?
2: Oh no, I mean, I when the the, the first time I had ever, I've never really thought about warbirds much because um, I was so focused on working on the the Cessna Piper Beechcraft kind of thing that when the DC three broke down at my airport, which ended up becoming Virginia Ann, um, who was part of the Normandy group. She was a, a hyper DC3. So she had the 2000s. That was my first introduction to radials. And oh, oh, I was hooked. But I just didn't know that I would ever be able to get into that because talking to the mechanic who was working on that, Joe, he had so many years experience and he was maintaining all these DC3s and everything just seemed so far out of reach at the time. And looking back now, I mean, it's it's incredible to think that I've come in, in 10 years' time to be working on a Mustang. I just, just signed it off for its second annual. And I, I cried today when it flew. I won't lie to you. I absolutely <laughs> cried because it's it's an amazing feeling to know that I'm keeping these things going.
1: Yeah, it really is. And uh, you know, you're doing a great part in in keeping the history alive in aviation through what you do in, in these uh, in, for this specific nonprofit, but in general and what you're doing with your career. Also, the one thing I, I love about what you do is is you're so encouraging to so many people, uh, especially some of the younger females. And uh, I, lo- I love it. You know, I tell people this Story as I was down in I think it was a Dominican yeah it was the Dominican Republic and uh, had to have a mechanic come out and look at something I forget what it was and uh, while I was there uh, she said to me she says oh you know you're never seen something like me have you and I, I you know broken English I was like what do you mean a mechanic and she goes no a female mechanic and and I was like oh wow you know in you know I never seen one down there but in general I started you know looking back and saying to myself wow she's right and then I started saying to myself. Well, gosh, you know, I've met a whole bunch of of female mechanics just because of what I do here with the podcast, obviously. But thinking about her afterward, I just couldn't keep her out of my mind. I said, well, maybe I should talk a little bit about the challenges on my show of becoming a mechanic as a female, because there definitely aren't a lot of them out there. And I'm sorry, I don't have the statistics, but there's very few. So maybe you could kind of give us some more color as to, you know, what your experience has been as far as being a female and if there were challenges being a a mechanic and also learning to become a mechanic.
2: You know, and that's, and I, I encourage women to get into this because this industry needs more women by all means. Um, But yeah, it has definitely been interesting. I have gotten, you know, working in a shop, I've had a a gentleman come in and then, and it's been young, old, doesn't matter. People have a, a, a thought process of what a mechanic should be. Um, and I look young. I'm 28, but a lot of people, you know, I get carded every time I go to a bar. Um, but I have had people ask, you know, I'd like to speak to a mechanic. Okay, yeah. what can I do for you? Uh no, a real mechanic.
1: Wow. Yeah.
2: Oh, okay. Um, or I've been asked if I'm a secretary, you know, and not not the mechanic. And so There are, the the hardest part that I can say about being in GA, being a woman mechanic, and I I no disrespect to pilots whatsoever, um, but I've noticed that women pilots have, you know, especially if you're doing, you know, Alaska Airlines or something along those lines, there's a lot more support for women pilots. There's not a lot of support for women mechanics. Um, there are some people that have done really good things on like Instagram and that's, um, you know, AWAM has been one that's been, that's done quite a few. Um, and then there's MTX, uh, women that also tries to promote and support women, but it is, it is definitely aviation is not an industry that is caught up to the rest of the world. And I've seen it a little bit, um, Yes, in my jobs and moving around, that initially when I first start into a shop, everyone wants to help you because you're 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 weak. You know you can't do the same job that they can do, and um, I've noticed that some of the shops that I work for, and I've worked for a lot of small shops, that they kind of start to treat you like a daughter and not like they treat the other guys, and it it sometimes seems slightly demeaning. But if you, I've had to step out because I have gotten angry with people and thrown temper tantrums occasionally, but I've had to kind of step out and go, okay, how would they treat their daughter if she was in this position? And then I have to kind of look at it from that outside perspective. There is a lot of room for aviation to grow. And I do put out there do not, if you're a woman in aviation and you're just getting started, do not get discouraged. It has taken a long time to get the respect that I have gotten here at the Heritage Flight Museum. Um, but don't get discouraged cuz the industry is growing and there is more of us out here and you know it, it but yeah it, it has been there have been some times where i get pretty frustrated um knowing that people just won't take me seriously so it's it's a very hit or miss with where you go
1: and i i think that'll change over time but it seems like uh, something you said uh, really interesting the in the world of aviation as far as flying there's there's been a big change i mean you're seeing a lot of younger females get into the flying aspect etc on the mechanics side it just it doesn't seem like it's hit it there for the general aviation world more so i think than in the airline mechanics being you know an airline pilot i see a lot more female airline mechanics out there especially here in the u.s um I'm wondering what we could do, and you mentioned a couple things there. A couple organizations maybe you can expand on that. What we can do to change that?
2: You know, and I think I think the big thing to help get women more um, more involved would be to let them know that you know there's a big misconception that aviation requires you to be the strongest of the strong, and you know to be able to do these things. And I spend every day you know, with very little help. So I think the big thing is, is to just kind of get it out there to women that if you think you can, you probably can, you know, don't doubt yourself. I spent most of my time, you know, I spend a lot of my time even now doubting myself when I go in to do these things because, and especially if people are around. So if you think you can do it, do it. I found that when I'm here by myself working in the evening, just trying to get stuff done, I'm like, I know how to do this. Why am I, why am I freaked out? Why am I panicked? You know, because women are always kind of looked at a little differently so one of just always remember that if you think you can you can most of the time you can and also don't be afraid to ask for help um it always seems bad and i think that that's another reason why women get a little worried about it is because they're afraid about having to ask for that help but I've noticed in taking over on this warbird um, as the chief mechanic of this warbird industry, um, I have been finding a lot more people who are interested in hiring women. I think women just have this conception that people aren't going to be nice or they're not going to want to work with them, and it it um, it, it is changing, but I you know it's it's slow slow to catch up.
1: So the career as a as like an airline pilot or excuse me an airline mechanic, uh, we know a lot about that um, from their moving into their perspective from a GA world. If as a female looking to get into this, um, do you feel that it's a good career? Would you recommend general aviation as a mechanic?
2: Yeah, absolutely, um, and I I recommend it with a little bit of caution. Um, one of the big things that is a very big difference, and again, I mean no disrespect to commercial aviation, um, but one of the big things is this has to be a passion. You have to want to do this. This isn't um, this isn't a job that you can just get up and go, well, today's the day I go in and change a couple of parts. You have to want to do it. I think the general aviation is a phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal uh, career path. And I think that working with the people that you meet and the aircraft that you're around, I think that it opens the doors a lot more than people realize, um, but yeah, I think that you do have to, you know, it's a, a great industry to get into. It is a lot of fun to do. And the traveling, aviation's all over the place. In general, aviation is all over the place. So the traveling that you can get yourself into and the places that you can go with your maintenance um, is definitely a perk of the industry. But you do also have to remember with this industry that when you're in GA, when you have that license, when you sign these airplanes off, you are one of one. There's not 10,000 people in the company you know, you're typically when you're signing off an aircraft and you sign off your AMP IA number or your AMP number, um, you're taking responsibility on the aircraft. And I think that, you know, it's a, it's a great feeling to have that responsibility. It's a great feeling to know that what I'm doing is putting an airplane back in the sky. And so it is very, it's a very, very rewarding career. Um, So I do think that it's, it's worth it to get into and be involved with. And I would promote people to do it, you know, I would do it 10 times over, no matter how many naysayers there are out there.
1: So one of the things you touched on is how important this job and how much responsibility you have as a mechanic. Um it seems to me that that could be a little bit stressful and uh you know what what would you say to somebody about that deal I'm assuming that there's some stress involved in there and how do you deal with that type of stress
2: There is there is definitely some stress involved with it and it it does come down to the fact that um you are held responsible for the work that you do So and I will use myself as an example um Working on the Warbirds, working on the Mustang, working on the Sky Raider, when I sign those airplanes off, that is my name and my ticket that those airplanes are flying on. Um, and the way that I try to help myself um, de-stress a little bit about it is I always make sure that if I have uh, someone else in the shop, if I go through and do a big job, if I have someone else in the shop, for example, I have a gentleman that is a retiree, but he has his, you know, AMP and his IA, I have him come in and look behind me just to help give myself a second set of eyes. Um, so that does kind of help because we're human and to air is human. Um, so it, there is a lot of, um, there's a lot of little things that can be done to kind of help alleviate some of the stress. Um, you know, and I have found out the hardest way of all about making sure to check behind myself, have someone else check behind me. And I have learned, um, what it's like when you, to be the one of one signing off an airplane, um, you know, when something does happen. So it is, there is some stress and responsibility to all of the perks that come with the industry.
1: So I think what you know I'm hearing from you is uh, you know don't be afraid to to ask especially in your position and get someone to back you up like in in maintenance like we do at the airlines I mean we always have two people in the cockpit and we're asking the other people the you let the egos go away in other words and and don't be afraid to ask.
2: Yeah, and that's something that is something that um, I heed to anyone whether you have an A and P or an I A. Or you've got both. Well, you have, you know, to have the IA, you have to have the AMP. But if you if you have both or you have one, it doesn't matter how long you've been in the industry. I don't care if you've been in the industry a hundred years, you are human, you will err, and you always need to have someone come in behind you. And just because, like I said, I may be the only mechanic here, but I do have people who are knowledgeable as volunteers that can come in behind me and double check and just say, you know what? Yeah, that looks right. Um, You know, it's good to have that extra set of eyes and it is good to check your ego at the door because it only takes one time for something to go wrong. And that is part of being a mechanic and that's part of being in this industry and it is a large part of it. But it's not to say that you just shouldn't do it or you shouldn't try to get into it just because the responsibility is there or the, you know, or there could something go wrong. Every day when you get in the car, something could go wrong. Every day that you, you know, go to uh, a grocery store, something could go wrong. But that doesn't mean you stop living your life. That doesn't mean you put in the effort to expand your horizons and to chase the job that you've always wanted to do, which is exactly why I've put in the time and effort to do this. And why, when people come to talk to me, I try to let them know, yeah, there's some negatives to the industry and yeah, it can be tough, but you know what? Get out there, kick butt, make it happen. You can do it. All you have to do is believe in yourself.
1: That's some great advice. And I, I tell you, you're really, really inspiring me. And, uh, you know, one of the things that you said is, uh, you know, that responsibility and how do you check yourself? Well, as pilots, i wonder if mechanics have some kind of saying that's similar. We always say, you know, fly the airplane as if your family's in the back of the airplane. Um, I'm, I'm assuming there's some kind of same mantra amongst mechanics
2: for, I'm sure people have their own ways of, of doing it. But for me, I treat every aircraft as if I'm going to put myself in it. I treat every aircraft as if I'm going to stick my family in it. And I look at the maintenance on these airplanes. I look at um, the the operation of these aircraft as if I was going to put my own life at risk. And it does. It it it's it's just a a good way to keep yourself in check and go. You know what. Would I really? Should I really do that? You know, would I really have cut that corner if you know I was going to do? So it it does help to kind of keep keep perspective on what you're doing.
1: Yeah, that's that's for sure. And uh, in such an important field, and and really perspective in everything in life, in your career, uh, in your in your personal life too. But working as a mechanic for a nonprofit, I you know hats off to you. I mean, for what you do and keeping those those birds flying. Uh, and one of the things that I think a lot of people think about is you know pay and things like that. I don't know if you can talk towards this, but in your experience, you know what what are the pay ranges for some of the mechanics in the general aviation field?
2: So GA completely depends on the busyness of the shop. We'll put it that way, right? Um, so. I've noticed like with, um, a local shop to me that has a large corporate background, they're still technically general aviation, but they're kind of dabbling more in the corporate background and they're making, um, higher figures than what I would typically make. Um, they're making, you know, in the, they can be making in upwards of the $30 an hour range. If you start dabbling more towards the corporate side, um, in the general aviation, small mom and pop shop. Um one of the big things to keep in mind is that when you first get out of AMP school right now the industry standard is about $15 an hour. And that's that's for someone coming out with zero experience, just went to school. Um, now when I came out of AMP school, uh, I had already had um, months of experience written down in a logbook. Uh, that I was, you know, I like I said, working for free as an apprentice. Um, that helped me jumpstart the industry at a higher rate. I think I started, ended up starting at like sixteen or seventeen dollars an hour thanks to that um, that start experience. Um, and so general aviation is kind of hit or miss. the The big thing is, like I said, depending on the work of the shop. Um, but the beauty of it is, is that even if the shop maybe you won't be making as like working for an airline. The beauty of general aviation is a lot of times it comes with the perks of like, hey, you just finished the annual, for example, on the Mustang. You want to hop in the back of the Mustang and go for a flight around the patch? Heck yes, Oh, man. I cried (laughs) at the end of that one, too. But let's be honest. Um, (laughs) Who wouldn't? But it does. It comes with these perks. Like, I just ran the Mustang last week for the first time ever. I was in full control of this aircraft. Again, thanks to Hal Beattie. I'll mention him a thousand times if I could. Um, Thanks to Hal Beattie, I... He walked me through the checklist, but these are the kind of perks that come with doing these jobs. Whether you're working at, you know, command aviation in Bellingham, Washington, you know, you go out and you do the maintenance and then you get to go out and learn how to run and taxi and go for that, you know, 5am breakfast to Stahik in Washington with one of your customers because you helped fix his beaver. Those are the kind of things that, you know, he ended up taking the entire shop for breakfast because we got the beaver fixed and you know solve the problem that hadn't been solved before so i mean the pay in ga is a little difficult um, if you're looking for airline pay yeah you're not going to be happy but if you're looking for a family because that's what aviation is doesn't matter where you go you work at a uh, an airport in bellingham washington and you want to go to timbuktu and there's a small general airport there you can walk in and go hey i work at a small airport too what do you guys got and someone is going to walk you around that airport and show you the ten thousand things that are there and it's it's just it's part of being the family it's part of having those perks that come with it
1: you know i love i love how you call it a family because i can't remember if ever i've had a passenger invite me out for lunch but (laughs) but, but you sure get that all the time in general aviation and and you talk directly with your customers on multiple occasions and and you get to know them which is awesome um, there's there's just a value you can't put on that, and that's uh, that's what I, you know. That's why I love listening to you. It's you've touched on something that a lot of people don't realize. It's not just about the money. It's also about having this wonderful life and career that you've actually designed for yourself. And hats off to you on that, by the way. Um, Thank you. You know, what, and one of the things you keep talking about is the museum here. I don't think we've actually done, an, and since we talked about it so much, we really need to give them a shout out here as far as. Uh, you can go to their website, heritageflight.org. But tell us a little bit about Heritage Flight Museum so people, if they want to visit, then they can find out more.
2: So this museum is a a one-of-a-kind. I I love this place. I may be a little biased, but uh, let me just start out with saying that. Um, Heritage Flight Museum was founded by... Bill Anders. And if you don't know about the Apollo 8 mission, trust me, it's worth a read. Um, So Bill Anders and his wife, Valerie Anders, in the 90s started the museum with Valhalla, which is our Mustang. And the family has grown from there with it. So we have grown from a Mustang on Orcas Island to 18 flying warbirds, five uh, static display aircraft. And we do these fly days every third Saturday of the month we are seven strong seven people strong as far as you know day to day um full time employees and most of them are women which is super cool um but this is just a it is a family it's a family thing and the volunteers that come in uh are all pretty much family i mean i have i have been taken to dinner by um the best couple and their daughter that have volunteered with all the fly days and it is just it's an incredible opportunity to be able to come in and stand right next to the Sky Raider and put your hand on it. There are no barriers to the aircraft. So if you want to come in and get up close and personal with, personal with these airplanes, you have that ability. And that's what makes the Heritage Flight Museum such a gem when you know a lot of the uh, museums that are local to us – um, are more of the barrier type. They have an incredible collection. Don't get me wrong. Um, but to have that ability to come in and, you know, today we've had people come in and they got to go, they got to watch the Mustang, go out and fly and tootle around. So it is a once in a lifetime opportunity kind of place. And I just, I couldn't say enough good things about it. I love this place. Then and the Anders family has just been over and above and giving me this opportunity and seeing that, even though I am 28 years old and a woman and have only been in the industry for a right around 10 years, these guys opened up the doors and said, you know what, you are the mechanic that we need. And we're going to give you the chance to get into these warbirds and and be a part of this and be immersed in this warbird community. And it is an unbelievable community. So the Heritage Flight Museum is just a incredible place to just visit and see. And the people that work here are phenomenal. So I, like I said, I'm a little biased, but I can't say enough good things.
1: Well, gosh, hats off to the Anders family. And by the way, if you don't know the history, I would go out and read it. As a matter of fact, you have a really good history about Anders on your website there at heritageflight.org. Uh, you really need to know, you know, learn a little bit about uh, air aviation history and the history of the business. I mean, incredible man who's done so much and has turned around a very large corporation in the U.S. And I think uh, what they're doing there in the family is terrific and they really care about aviation. And by uh, hiring you, I think they've done a terrific job because I know that you're going to actually move the this generation forward and keep that whole history of aviation flying. And we really appreciate that.
2: Thank you so very much.
1: You know, one interesting thing you said going back and talking about careers real quick before we we have to close up here. One of the things that, you know, you have to realize, this is my mea culpa here, we are all learning um, when we go through this life and with this career. And I started this many years ago, this podcast. And I didn't recognize the fact that there weren't that many women in the field of aviation maintenance, because I came from a field where there were a lot of women involved. I have friends that are female mechanics in other fields. And uh, back in 2012, my very first mechanic that was on this show was actually a female. And I had no nice. idea, but I had no idea the significance of that. And she she mentioned AWAM. And I uh, and I kind of I kind of sloughed it off like it's like any other organization that, you know, yeah, there's got to be a lot of women in this. It took me years to find out that, gosh, there really aren't, you know. And uh, I guess I looked at it from a different perspective. And I love the fact that the Association for Women in Aviation Maintenance, has since that time come a, a long way and also has scholarships. And those scholarships obviously are included in our scholarships guide. But you can go out to the website and apply for those if you're interested in becoming involved. But the other thing that I think is is the most important thing about AWIM, and I, I remember her saying this eight years ago, is that it's a community helping other women get into aviation and they have a support network. That is incredibly important. So, if you take anything away from this, make sure that you find those people that are out there that have done this, and that's why we do this show, like Cassidy, somebody who's actually done this, and hear from those people and move forward. So, so my my new you know push in life right now, and my promise to you, the listener, is to do more as far as that's concerned. I know it took me eight years to to really realize that there there this this really lack in Aviation maintenance side, maybe because I'm not around mechanics. I don't know, uh, but we're we're going to change that. And uh, it's been uh, we've been starting that that role and moving forward, and it's been terrific. And people like Cassidy telling their stories is awesome. And and you know what? If you have questions for Cassidy, of course you can write us feedback at aviationcuriouspodcast dot You can also find her online and all the really cool stuff she does, and that's on uh, her Instagram account. What uh, what is that Instagram account again?
2: It's hangar twelve
1: hangar queen 12.
2: Yep. And uh, yeah, and it's, you know, the one thing that I would give to anyone that gets into aviation is just remember this is a license to learn. So, I got into this and it I didn't get stuck doing just Cessna 150s or just flight schools. I have spent this entire last darn near 10 years learning until I got to the point that I do warbirds. So, don't be afraid that if you get in it you're just going to get stuck doing one thing you can learn, you can improve, you can work, and you can Network and that helps a lot to get yeah, further. Yeah, it sure
1: does. Career. Networking is so incredibly important. Well, Kathy, this has been awesome. I, we could talk for hours uh, about aviation and and you really spurred my interest with that st- actually touching a Skywriter of all the aircraft that you have at your museum. That's the only one I've never gotten up close and personal to, so I may have to come out and visit. Uh, and for those that are looking to to go out there, I think you're closer to Vancouver than you are to uh, CAC Tech uh, if you're flying out. I'm pretty sure.
2: Uh, surprisingly enough, we are
1: dead center.
2: center. We're about an hour and a half to two hours from Vancouver, an hour and a half to two hours to Seattle, depending on traffic. I'm going to drive up there.
1: Next time I'm out in Seattle, I definitely want to go see the museum. I'll have to call you so I can come up and maybe get a personal tour. You never know. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, thanks. And I know that uh, anybody who's interested, you can also support the museum and what they're doing online. If you can't get out to to Washington to go check out the museum, please check out their website. They do so much. And and what they're doing is so important. And they're actually keeping that history alive. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I think that we don't realize is the, the blood, sweat, and tears that goes into keeping a warbird flying and the importance of doing that so that we can actually have something that we can see fly that did many, many years ago. It's not just in books. It's right in front of you, and you get to experience it. And I think that is something that uh, what Cassidy does and what all the people do at the museum is just a wonderful thing. So thanks again, Cassidy, for coming.
2: No, thanks for having me, and uh, very much appreciate it. It (laughs) Well, you know,
1: if you're listening right now, and you're somebody that's on the fence, thinking about becoming a mechanic, uh, if you're a female thinking about becoming a mechanic, go check out the links in the show notes at the bottom. We have AWAM, remember I talked about that, she mentioned it, the Association for Women in Aviation Maintenance, a great organization. There are a lot of other people out there. As a matter of fact, we're trying to get a, a couple other mechanics that obviously through the college that I work through here that have gone on to become mechanics in very large organizations and actually have become lead mechanics in certain organizations. And one of them actually is a chief, not just a mechanic, but also a chief instructor at a, a, a manufacturer. We won't mention it right now, but it's a kind of a tease there. But one thing that I think is really important, no matter what you do, if you're, th- you're on the fence right now, what I want you to do is take action. Go back, listen to this, go listen to some of the other mechanics that we've had on here episode 6 go back to episode 6 where i mentioned the first mechanic that i had on and that was and she was a female listen to that one listen to all the other ones we talk about maintenance but get out there and do something today whether it's you're you're looking at a mechanics job or you're looking at becoming a pilot flight attendant you're becoming an engineer Whatever it is, what I want you to do, I want you to do something today. Take action. When this stops, you can call somebody. You can write something down. You can click on the show notes. But I want you to do something today to move forward in your career. Well, folks, we'll talk to you next episode and
0: safe flying.